episode of the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. My name is Neil Grogan, here with Matthew Statler. And we are back in the new year, my friend, 2022. Um, how are How is your Bible reading plan uh, going? Are you crushing it? Crushing it, man. I am. <laughs> I have not neglected this whole year to uh, man. This to whole study. year, I've I'm a hundred percent on on target. <laughs> I am on target this whole year. Hey, man! Shout out to all our listeners who are uh, keeping pace with their Bible reading plans. That's right. That's, that's right. That's great. Yeah. So you know, Matt and I were just kind of thinking, how do we kick off the year? What 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 should we do? You know, we had all these topics in minds in mind uh, that I think are going to be helpful. Uh, we actually got to map out the podcast for the whole year because that's what preachers do. They right. map uh, they map texts out and, and uh, try not to let it surprise us as much. Um, but yeah, we, we started talking kind of about the attributes of God and man, what is what attribute of God um, most affects us, right? Like, that we need to understand our heavenly Father more clearly, and and it and it should drive how we relate to Him. And so we landed on the idea of the holiness of God. It kind of reminds me, Matt, when I was a kid, um, my dad would not let his children on his bed, like it was a sacred ground. Uh, and anytime we, we, like we would sneak up there, like in the middle of the night, if I couldn't sleep as a, as a young boy, I would like sleep at the foot of the bed sideways so that they, you know, wouldn't notice me, you know, I tried to get right. as close as I could. Uh, but then he, he'd find, he'd figure it out and kick me out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, no, this is my bed. This is my space, you know? And it, it was a set apart space in the, in the, in their marriage. And I've kind of taken that same idea in my home, um, but, you know, Brittany compromises all the time, and I always end up with some kid in my bed, but uh, that's nev never here nor there. But um, but this idea of the holiness of God is so crucial to who we are as believers. So, Matt, I kind of wanted right out the gate ask you, like, when you think about the holiness of God, what immediately comes to your mind? Well, you know, it's such a good question because what we, what we think about God is really one of the most important things about us, or we could say the most important thing about us. And so for me, when I think about the holiness of God, I think about God being perfect. Um, you know, Neil already brought up, brought the idea out of being set apart, uh, where God is perfect, the only uncreated, and everything else is created um, good, but then now tainted with sin. Um, and the corruption that comes with it. And so God is, is otherness. He is morally perfect. He is set apart. Uh, he is, is holy. And um, it's interesting in Scripture, just like Neil talks about holiness, and then the, there's a reserved space just for his dad and his, you know, his mom. They have re reserved the bed. So the God of the Old Testament Yahweh and the God of the New Testament, he um, he reserves for himself a level of holiness. And so the Israelites were not permitted in the Holy of Holies. There was a separateness. And in order to get into it, there was a massive amount of labor required, sacrifices, 
um, cleansing, uh, proper uh, moral character on the inside as well as the outside. It was very extensive, and, and we see that reflected in the carrying of the Ark of the Covenant and how that was prescribed. And, and God is very particular as to how the people of God are to live in holiness in the land. And so um, we'll get into some of the New Testament talk about it because it's it's changed to some extent because we've been invited in um, almost like your dad saying, all right, come on up here, get in the bed, you know, we'll all snuggle yeah. up in this thing. Um, but he has to make you holy, make you worthy of it. Um, but in the Old Testament, there was still a very heavy um, seal, a very heavy, uh, what would you call it, a veil between the holiness and the holy of holies. Um, and the re- one of the reasons I brought this up is because Isaiah he is invited in, he's in the temple praying, and he gets this vision of God. And um, the seraphim are, are around around God, the throne room of God, and they're yelling, holy, holy, holy uh, is the Lord of armies. And Isaiah's immediate response is not to argue with him about something bad that happened in his life or uh, to try to debate with God about something or, God, I really have some things I need to, to talk to you about. No, he hits his, you know, he hits his face, or he's probably already laying down anyway, and he, he cries out, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live, live among a generation with unclean lips. And he confesses his sins because he's overwhelmed with his lack of holiness. Yeah, I love, Matt, that you brought that out. I, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. I think um, in the Christian walk or in, in life itself for, for all humanity, um, the central fact that we don't understand our sinfulness uh, we don't understand how we need to how we must relate to God how we come into his presence uh, what the what what way has been made for us that we we try to angle around it right we try to cut the corner uh, or create our own methods of salvation methods of understanding or wisdom um, because we don't want the separation, right? So we, we, th- well, we'll just figure it out in our own self. You know, it makes me think a lot about, um, the people of Israel after the Exodus, you know, you have Moses, uh, going up and, and talking with God and the, the text, um, attributes God as this like unapproachable light, and so, you know, Moses is told to turn his back because he's gonna, he's gonna die if uh, if he sees God. And man, but but it as Moses is in his presence, Moses comes back down out off the mountain, and the people of Israel see Moses. And Matt, do you remember what they see? Yeah, he's they like, see his face is glowing. Yeah, like it's left an. And, and you can visibly see it. You can see the glory of God impressioned upon Moses because Moses has been in the presence of a holy God. And they, you've never seen that, right? Like, um, could you imagine the, the awe, the amazement, the terror that might strike you? Um, seeing the guy who led you out of Israel come down glowing. <laughs> like, but the, you know, like what's so a, terrifying about that g- is gamma the poisoning. Fear. Yeah, yeah, the radiation, but their fear, right? Yeah. Like they they did not want to look at Moses anymore. They wanted Moses right. to go away 
and Moses had to veil his face um, because of their, I mean, their recognition one, but their fear and their, honestly, their desire to be away from the holiness of God. Um, And so, yeah, there wasn't like a, 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 almost like a drawing to, it was a more of a running away from an abject terror. Yeah. Kind of like when you get caught on your dad's bed, when you're not supposed to be on there. Go on, get, that's what we'd get. You run for your life. You know, we, we also see in like this, this, uh, misunderstanding or, um, living in some sort of alternate reality in second Samuel six, um, you know, second Samuel six verses one through eight, I think gives this, uh, beautiful illustration, terrifying illustration. I know those are two kind of contradictory words, but of the holiness of God. You know, the Ark of the Covenant is being transported on a cart at the at this time. And, you know, this was not the law of which God has laid out for how to transport um, the Ark of the Covenant. It was common, um, right? It was like in a common manner. Yeah, it was. I mean, you're talking about really not getting how holy God's presence is. And not only that, you're 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 dealing frivolously with God, um, as if He didn't create the world out of nothing, ex nihilo. Um, and what happens is the ark begins to shift and it begins to fall to the ground. Now, there's a man who I would probably assume had had good intention. His name is Uzzah. And Uzzah reaches out to catch the ark so it wouldn't touch the ground. But the problem with Uzzah, Matt, is that he thought the ground was more dirty than his own sinfulness, his own nature. Mm-hmm. And when he reached out and he touched the ark, he he was killed instantly um, for dealing so frivolously with this nature of God, like there, there are real ramifications for, um, not understanding who our God is, not having a reverential awe for him, um, and not understanding that, man, God has made a way for us to deal rightly in relationship with him. And which kind of takes us kind of moving through the old Testament now into the new Testament, Matt, you had some really good, uh, thoughts on on the way God has made uh, for us to enter His presence again, and not only that, but now going forward, how do we how do we walk that out, right? Yeah, and we, and we know that the consequences for dealing with a holy God in an imperfect way is death. Um, really, God's law in the Old Testament was for the purpose of protecting the people of Israel. Um, it wasn't just God being arbitrary, but really trying to set them apart um, as a protection for them. And so to enter into the, the throne room of God, the high priest would bear on his epaulets the names of the tribes of Judah and Israel. And he would have all the names um, on his shoulders. And in Hebrews, it talks about Christ is the one. He is the great high priest who enters into the throne room for us. Uh, not just one time, but for all eternity. 
and he is carrying our own names etched and engraved on his shoulders and he is the one that is interceding for us his his perfect obedience his holiness is now become our holiness and, and that's why i think peter um, in first peter chapter one brings out this this um this concept this idea and he says but as the one who has called you is holy you also are to be holy in all of your conduct for it is written be holy because i am holy what we see here is that now because of this grand vision of who god is we see god as holy we start to see sin rightly sin is not just something that we make a mistake or just oh no it's it's bad but it, we could be worse no sin is devastating sin is a cancer that will kill you it's terminal cancer and we really have to deal with it if we truly see god as he is and we see in the old testament how often do the psalmists say things like um remember god is holy and and they say that because part of the reason we sin is because we forget how holy god is and so when we look at our lives and we look at this new year um how can we be holy how can we see the holiness of god on a regular basis are you listening to things that take away from the holiness of god in your life um, things that distract you things that cause you to not remember um, and that could be anything from just getting used to some small sins um, or keeping one large sin kind of in your closet that you bring out to play with every every uh, little while man neil has one of those best illustrations on um, on sin and i think i stole it and used it in my colossians series once uh, but it was about this guy named timothy treadwell right neil do you want to share that, yeah, that guy's sure. story because that is i mean that's that's exactly what we do when we sin and we forget the holiness of God. Yeah, so Timothy Treadwell was this <laughs> this uh, fascinating gentleman who would spend his summers living with grizzly bears in the Alaskan bush. And so every season, uh, he would fly out there, live amongst grizzly bears, and then return home. And, and he would talk with like elementary school children about what it's like living with bears, right? Um, and everyone loved this guy. Uh, not not too many would call him foolish unfortunately uh, not where it would be heard and um, by timothy but for 12 seasons matt like this guy went out and spent time with grizzly bears and but on the 13th season on the last day of his trip um he found himself eaten alive by a grizzly bear and his girlfriend too it yeah. it destroyed a, a close relationship that he had also and man, they were interviewing people um, after the thing happened. And just like, I just don't understand what set those bears off or why this happened. And uh, I mean, of course, like I'm thinking as I'm watching this documentary, like I know exactly why that happened because a grizzly bear is an apex predator, right? Like <laughs> that. Uh, that's what it does. It eats, it crunches bones, it tears through flesh. It, it's that's its nature. It's meant to destroy anything lesser than itself. And for Timothy Treadwell to live frivolously amongst bears and, and, and not expect that this would happen, 
eventually um, is asinine to me. Um, and, and to your point, Matt, that's kind of how we treat our sin. We, we don't think of it like it's an apex predator. We don't think of our own sinful nature, our flesh, as the greatest evil in the universe that is meant to be uh, to meant to have war waged against it. And for the Christian, we need to understand our sin appropriately because it is our sin that separates us from God. Um, now, like Matt was saying, man, we have a great high priest in Jesus who paid a sacrifice that would be lasting um, and, and forever. Our names are sealed in the Lamb's book of life. The Holy Spirit indwells us and seals us for eternity. He's making us more like the sun over the course of our lives. But that picture of being made to look more like Christ is becoming holy as he is holy, like Matt said from uh, uh, First Peter. So what, what we are to engage in isn't a neglect of combat. What we are to engage in is active war waging. You know, the Puritan John Owen, Matt, said it this way. Uh, be killing sin or sin be killing you. And I think that is the type of mindset we have to have with sin. It's the type of mindset Uzzah should have had in Second Samuel 6. No, guys, we need to put this ark on the poles that the Lord has commanded us to do. And the, the priests must carry it. Um, it will not fall in this way. Um no, I cannot touch the ark because I rightly understand my uncleanliness. A woe to me, Isaiah says, a man of unclean lips. No, and then the coal of which purifies Isaiah's tongue um, is the sweet coal of the cross of Jesus Christ and the resurrection from the grave. We must Trust and know the gospel, the good news. Trust in the object of our faith, who is Jesus Christ. And now go forward out of that baseline, striving for holiness, which is really the purpose of the Christian life, right, Matt? Absolutely. Um, I think the, the Latin term is quorum deo, right? Yeah. That we are to live a life... Christians are to live a life in the presence of God or live a life under the authority of God. Yeah, and under his authority, he calls us into holiness and righteousness. And so, you know, as we, you know, Matt's famous term is, uh, which I love, I use it often, is interrogate your heart. We want to till up our hearts to discover the sins in our lives, not just the sin, but the sin under the sin even, right? So like, why am I angry? What is the idol I'm clinging to and, and striving to worship? How am I stealing glory from God? What is at the root here? And let us wage a righteous war against it. Because as we wage that war, as we become more heart aware, which is the point of this podcast, I think, is we're trying to help people become more heart aware and to respond rightly, um, as we become more heart aware, we can now engage in holiness on a heart level, on an action level, um, in a thought, in, a, in our thoughts, which, you know, conveys the heart in the New Testament. But 
Um, many, many describe it like head, heart, and hands, like all of our holistic being is becoming holy, is glorifying God fully, um, and striving to worship as God has called us to in his word. And, and as we do this, it's not that sin in and of itself is some magical beast or some powerful force. The reality is sin is the absence of light. It is the opposite of who God is. Um, and so as we think about God and his holiness, that's what drives us to, to purge the darkness out of our lives, to get rid of the sin. Um, we see it as an affront, as a as a, as danger to our, our health, to our well-being, to um, really ultimately to our relationship with God. And so when we strive for obedience, it's not that we're trying to obey for obedience sake. We're not pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, but it's we're putting this to death. We're we're getting out flashlights and, and the light of the word and we're we're using it to, to push out the darkness uh, in our lives. And so that that putting it to death is is through the power of the spirit. We can't do this in our own strength. Um, verse. 22 of that same chapter in first Peter says, since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth and some manuscripts also have by the spirit. So you, by your obedience to the truth, by the spirit, so that you show sincere brotherly love to each other from a pure heart, love one another constantly because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. And, and this transformation that has happened in your heart is going to continue throughout your life. This is a, a continuing process. Um, and part of that does mean that we have um, our efforts to abstain from the evil works, as uh, chapter 2 tells us in, in uh, 1 Peter. Uh, I mean, 1 Peter just has all, all this wisdom to give us when it comes to putting sin to death and to putting good works into use, right? We don't just remove something from a vacuum, we actually have to fill it. If you have a table at your house, you know this concept, right? Any table at your house, any flat surface, after about two days, just fills up with junk. And so you you immediately clear it off, you get it all packed up, and then within a couple of days, you got piles of stuff again. The, the reality is nature abhors a vacuum. And that's the same thing with our hearts. If you remove stuff from your heart, remove the sinful habits that you've been doing, um, you 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 uh, you try to take away some of the former loves of the world. Something else is going to fill it. It may be the same thing in greater measure, or it could be something else. And so, what we have to do is we replace it with the true and living Word of God. We replace it with um, our desire to love others. We replace it with um, act actions uh, that are God honoring, God pleasing. Uh, recognizing his holiness. Um, and I think that's that's where the transformation begins is is remembering that this is a holy God that we serve, that the actions that we do um, are not just about my pleasure or my discomfort or even what's good for me or what's bad for me. Um, that's why Neil and I, we, we discuss sometimes about the therapeutic culture, right? Everything in our culture today is well, is this healing for me, or is this um, this going to take care of my self care and my needs and my wants and my desires? 
And the reality is our greatest need is to see a holy and perfect God and live in light of that, because that's where our happiness comes from. That's where our joy comes from. That's where a contentment and peace and all the fruit of the spirit that come flow from this understanding of the holy God um, applied by the Holy Spirit, uh, by being born again. So um, don't just think of, of this this holiness of God attribute, this characteristic as something, but really it's, it's the sum total of all of God's attributes. Um, and it's the thing that we are commanded to do. God doesn't command us to be omnipotent. God doesn't command us to be all powerful, which is what omnipotent means. I'm translating. Or uh, all-knowing. Or... All-knowing, right? We're called to be holy as I am holy. Um, and the only way we do that is by assuming the holiness of Christ and then striving to live up to that standard. Uh, it's the same thing that happens if you get adopted, you come into a new family, and that family has certain rules and requirements. And so if you were to join the Statler family, there would be certain expectations that we would have of you um, to be a Statler, right? We would say, well, you know, in the Statler house, we do family worship. In the Statler house, we get our stuff ready for school the night before. In the Staller house, we'd go to church, we'd go to worship, right? And, and we don't do these things perfectly, right? Sometimes um, the backpack is half filled up and there's consequences for our failures. Uh, but ultimately, we have now assumed this new identity and we strive to live and to reflect that identity uh, properly. Um, and what a glorious truth that is that we can do this through the power of the Holy Spirit under the authority, the Lordship of Christ. Um, it's not, but it's not easy. And, th and that's what we're trying to get at. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's totally true. It's, it's, it's a lifelong daily quest for holiness. You know, the mark of every leader in the church is faithfulness. The mark of every devout Christian in the body of Christ is faithfulness. Um, but remember, dear friend, if you are in Christ, you have been given every spiritual resource under heaven to move forward in holiness for you are his workmanship and he has prepared good works for you beforehand. Ephesians two verse 10. So we're excited about a new year of continual engagement and understanding the holiness of our father and letting, uh, letting our relationship relate accordingly. So our my, Matt, my hope for you is that you will not stand idle, dear friend, but that you will continue to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to your own heart and that you would respond in faithful holiness. Guys, until next time, thanks for listening to the Gospel Lifeline podcast. Uh, please subscribe, leave a comment, and like our page. Peace.